entrust you. Give comfort to each person who's hurting. Draw close to names and draw each person closer to one another. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. And we're going to open this evening with a reading of Who's going to do the reading? Gretchen? Okay. Gretchen. So I'm Gretchen. I'm uh, Chris, Chris's older sister by 14 months, so... I'm honored to, uh, to read a eulogy that was written by one of his very good friends. So, Many people counted McLeod as a friend. When he used the term to describe someone, he meant it. In the nearly two weeks since he was tragically and unnecessarily killed as a result of another person's reckless actions, my thoughts have centered on McLeod many times. There is a reason I never did think of McLeod as a friend. This seems as good a time as any to explain how I reached that conclusion. Friends are typically on a first-name basis, but to me, he was always McLeod. No Mr. in front of it, no nickname, no Chris, no Christopher, just McLeod. For me, referring to him as Chris felt awkward. When he, refu- when he referred to me, it was Sam Duroff, sometimes shortened to Samo, for the sake of saving two syllables. Within five minutes of meeting him, I informed McLeod that he needed to cut his girlfriend loose. They had been dating since junior high, hardly the opening act of a great friendship to come. His girlfriend hated me. Eventually, as happened, they were married. In the modern era of mobile technology, friends are known to remain in regular contact. McLeod and I exchanged text messages infrequently. We spoke to each other on the phone even less. We did not even know each other's email addresses. Friends tend to see each other at least once or twice a year. The bulk of my time spent with McLeod was during our college days and the decade which followed. The last time I was in the same room with him goes back not months, but a few years. Called it pre-pandemic. A friend would attend his memorial service. I'm sure many of his friends will be there to celebrate the man's life, and mourn Chris's sudden absence. I will not be among them. I have something else to do that day. As I pondered the loss of this man and the nature of my relationship with him, the conclusion was inescapable. Looking back to the day that he and I met during the August of 1993, I saw right through McLeod's exterior and understood exactly who and what he was deep down. The real Chris McLeod, if you will, Not once did I look at the young man and think friend. Never. From that moment 30 years ago until the moment he slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God, he was killed. Chris was to me nothing less than a brother. I love that man. I love him still. Coach Coach Cook designated McLeod my little Bruin brother on the George Fox cross-country team for McLeod's freshman year. We first met and shook hands on a windswept beach at the Oregon coast during the annual team retreat. 
As the late afternoon tides rolled in, McLeod and I walked and talked and got to know one another. Ten minutes into our conversation, I was pretty sure Coach was hoping that McLeod would be a good influence on me, not the other way around. I sensed even then that whatever bond I had formed with McLeod was to transcend that of a teammate and friend. It is difficult for me to accept that 30 years have passed since that late summer day in 1993 and the fateful April evening of 2022. More difficult to accept is the reality that McLeod no longer walks with us. A lifetime of memories from those three decades now live in my mind. For McLeod, those decades were his lifetime. I spent more time in McLeod's freshman dorm, dorm room than I did in the house I shared with six of our teammates. McLeod and I could be seen lifting weights every day following practice, even though Coach groused about us bulking up. We indulged from time to time in the tradition initiated by our mutual friend, Tim Tank, by smoking Swisher Sweets, which is the preferred cigar, plug your ears, Sam, of poor college students at the bottom of the canyon, which runs through George Fox campus. We learned to golf on a nine-hole course with sand greens that cost $2 a round. When my girlfriend and I broke it off, McLeod was there, rock steady, like a brother, indicative of the man he was. McLeod remained close to both of us throughout his life. One summer, I all but moved into his parents' house. The clan McLeod welcomed me as if I were their sixth child and the second named Brent. There were rules which had to be followed, including compulsory attendance at dinner. Sitting at their family table for meals, I came to know and appreciate Trent, Barb, and Gretchen. At one point, Trent and I were ordered to lace up the boxing gloves to settle some dispute. Keep those hands up, Trent. Likely that he was sick of me and crashing at their place. Setting a dispute like civilized boxers is the McLeod way, to be sure. McLeod stood with me at my 1996 wedding, as I would do for him the following year at his first wedding. Our spouses, the original First Wives Club, became friends, and the four of us got together for concerts, meals, and some holidays. We vacationed together in Southern California and along the Washington and Oregon coasts. When my daughter Madeline was born, the four of us became the five of us. Spending time at a cottage on the coast, McLeod and I did a lot of running together, including the 153-mile Rainier to Pacific. He suckered George Althaus, his sister Barb, and a few others to do three legs of three to seven miles while riding in the back of a truck when not running. This was McLeod's idea of a good time. Looking back, it was the best of times. McLeod and I boated on Lake Washington and the Columbia River. He once managed to wipe out so hard, this is so classic, Chris, that <laughs> the water ski fin sliced his shoulder, requiring a trip to the ER. He repeatedly attempted to teach me to play an early version of NBA 2K. I was horrible. I never could beat that guy. When, he first, when his first marriage ended, he came to Seattle and stayed with my family for a while. I recall him taking Maddie by the hand as they walked to the park to play each morning. McLeod was a natural. It was obvious he would make a wonderful dad one day. It was during this time of personal adversity that McLeod provided me with an invaluable object lesson on personal integrity. When he said, I do, and until death do us part, McLeod meant it. 
On principle, he refused to sign divorce papers, even when under enormous pressure to do so. McLeod later recalled being reminded by an exasperated attorney that all he could do was delay the inevitable by 12 months. He was unmoved. Then let it happen in 12 months, he recalled them saying. He, he was recalled. He recalled telling them, I'm not signing these papers. From his righteous example, I came to understand that relationship commitments are not meant to be easily cast aside, nor the door of reconciliation quickly slammed shut. McLeod demonstrated what it means to stand on principle, even when fighting for a lost cause. For him, inevitability was neither a reason nor an excuse for violating his core principles. Not long after McLeod's divorce, my own marriage ended. He met me in Portland, changed from our college days. His words were now seasoned with the wisdom of years and experience. He made the trip even though his commute at the time must have set the record for the longest regular monthly work commute in history, China to South Florida, while living in Hawaii. McLeod played neither the hero nor the martyr. He simply showed up like a brother in my time of need. I was the first to find love again and wanted to introduce her to McLeod. We stayed with him in Maui for a week, meeting his friends, enjoying beach barbecues, and experiencing the island McLeod style. He had become a true Maui local. The island life suited him. Near the end of our visit, McLeod invited a woman to join us for dinner, saying that she was around sometimes and that they were connected through his work. As dinner progressed, Catherine seemed more like than just like a, a, a once-in-a-while date. He was different around her, attentive. I had never seen him so invested in another person, not even his first wife. During that trip to Maui, McLeod and I talked about our futures. I was building a new life in California and immersed in my kids' school years. He intended on becoming more focused at work and physically healthier. Have to do those three miles. He talked of settling down and wanting a family. A month later, McLeod called and told me Catherine and he planned to be married. It was a beautiful wedding in a picturesque setting at Timberline on Mount Hood in Oregon. The newlyweds lived in Portland for a time, but the islands and family beckoned them and the McLeod family moved back home. They bought a house. Jonathan and Matthew came along adding to Nico and Davin. Catherine, those are two guys that Catherine brought, two boys, sons, that Catherine brought with her into their marriage. Just like that, McLeod and I were both fathers of four. When he told me how much he paid for their house, I choked on my frappuccino. I knew Maui was expensive, but I really didn't know. Chris expressed no regrets. He was happy to have established a family and provide them with a home. McLeod's approach to fatherhood was admirable. The day after his death, Catherine explained to me that he had been scheduled to fly home to Portland to visit his mom. He was going to miss one of his boys' football games. Unwilling to miss two games in the same week, he scheduled his return on a red-eye flight, which would have allowed him to see the second game. McLeod's commitment to be there for his boys served as a catalyst for my decision to miss his memorial service, which is scheduled on the same day my daughter will graduate from Northwest University. 
That was not a decision I was prepared to make. I considered what McLeod would say. I know the exact words he would use. What are you talking about, Sam Adaroff? You're not going to miss your daughter's college graduation to go to my funeral. Even in death, the man provides me with object lessons for life. It never occurred to me that I might outlive McLeod. I assumed he would still be standing long after I was dead and gone. I took for granted that McLeod was a guy who would always be around. The news of his death was so far out of the blue that my emotions went numb for a week. I didn't shed a tear. McLeod's older brother Brent called me on day six. The emotional floodgates burst open the morning on day seven. I can recall only two occasions in my nearly 50 years that I cried as hard and as long as I cried that morning. Someone dear to me has often said, everything happens for a reason. I have always been on the fence regarding that notion, as have I. She and I met up recently. In the course of conversation, she said it again, everything happens for a reason. That was three days before McLeod died. Three days later, my thoughts turned to McLeod. Normally, I would have been driving my daughter to volleyball practice, but my kids were on a church trip to Mexico, so I was home. I picked up my phone, and I texted McLeod. How are things going? How's the family? It was 3.41 p.m. on Maui. McLeod's life would, be abruptly, would abruptly end less than five hours later. Both he and I could take days or longer to respond to a text message, but that text will forever remain unanswered. It is a bracing reality to face. In thinking about the life of this elegantly simple man who undoubtedly touched more people than he realized and in ways more profound than he intended or could have imagined, it seemed to me that reason for his pre premature death would almost certainly come up short. As I pondered the idea that everything ha does happen for a reason, a thought formed about what that reason might be in this situation. McLeod was a man of action. He had an iron will and real grit and was the most loyal person I have known. He did not fumble around in psychological darkness hoping to discover esoteric truth. Unlike me, he was not one to philosophize, nor was he tortured by the need to know why bad things happen to good people. Not a single time in 30 years did I witness McLeod shine a spotlight on himself. If a reason does exist for the senseless death of this husband, father, son, brother, mentor, business executive, athlete, George, George Fox University alumnus, friend, that reason will not be discovered through the asking of questions by those of us who were close to him. Why him? Why now? Why like that? Why not me instead? The answers to those questions do not contain the reason. I believe the reason for this tragedy cannot be located, uncovered, deciphered, or unlocked. We cannot find the reason, we must become the reason. We must become it by facing adversity head on as he did years before when factors beyond his control forced McLeod's life into a path he did not choose. 
Each of us who knew and loved the man must become the reason that will redeem this unimaginable loss. At his very core, McLeod embodied goodness. He was plain-spoken, hardworking, tenacious, and fair. Man, he loved to laugh. He loved people. He was a man of such character and integrity that he refused to exchange righteousness for expedience. McLeod possessed a keen intellect, humble attitude, kind spirit, and giant, giant heart. The good book says the meek shall inherit the earth. The original text, text suggests a person of strength who moves about in humility, endures suffering without complaint, and promotes others while de-emphasizing their own accomplishments. This is a good description of McLeod as any. He was closely connected to many extraordinary people and high achievers. McLeod did not purposely garner much public attention in life. He was happy to lift others into prominence while going largely uncelebrated himself. Yet he was always there. He was always doing something good. In a celebrity-obsessed culture, McLeod was old-school authentic. He was. Viewing McLeod in the context of his entire life and considering the many relationships he forged and maintained to the end, the man of humility left behind a legacy with now, which now beckons those who knew him to follow in his footsteps. We can honor his life and attempt at trying to make meaning of his death by embracing the six values which inhabited the core of his being. Character, courage, commitment, consistency, community, and charity. These are the virtues and values which define Chris McLeod. He was the best of us. McLeod spent 46 years on this earth setting an example to which all of us should aspire. He did his part. He may not have wanted to go, but he was ready. The mantle of personal character quietly and faithfully worn by McLeod now passes to those of us with the courage to pick it up and put it on. This is a moment in which nothing less than action will suffice. Each of us must look within ourselves and summon the will to put these values, the McLeod succeeds, into specific action as we go about our lives. If we adapt the six values of Chris McLeod as our own, actively striving to model them in our relationships and our work, we will become a part of the reason McLeod's spirit will live on through us. And through each of us, he will touch the lives of people he never met. When that happens, this world will be transformed. This senseless tragedy will be redeemed. And a hurting family stricken with the worst variety of grief will take comfort in the legacy of goodness and decency befitting him. Then we will know that everything really does happen for a reason. So I've been given the task of MCN tonight, so we're going to wing it. <laughs> Catherine wanted that read, and Gretchen graciously um, agreed. 
because uh, I told her I couldn't get through it. So, so we're going to have some video um, tributes and then some live ones as well. Um, and there'll be an open mic for people that have something to share. I think first we have a video from the man that wrote that. So. Character, courage, consistency, commitment, community, charity. To me, those six traits sum up the character of Chris McLeod. My name is Brent Samodurov. I spent the last 30 years of my life knowing McLeod. I never considered him a friend because from the beginning, he really was a brother. I met him in 1993 on the Oregon coast at a George Fox University cross-country retreat. Coach had assigned him to be my little Bruin brother. I was supposed to show him the ropes, but it was really he who ended up influencing me. And he never did it through words. He did it through his character and the way that he lived his life. The death of McLeod came as an absolute shock to me, and I still can't wrap my mind around it. The idea that he is actually gone. It never once occurred to me that I would outlive McLeod. Didn't think about it a lot, but it just wasn't something that I'd ever thought would happen. He would always be around. The thing is that I'm pretty sure McLeod didn't want to leave, <laughs> but he was ready. And his life showed that. It's often difficult in situations like this. By far, this is the toughest for me. And I've, I've seen many people die in my, in my lifetime. Been with young people who have passed away and old. This one's hit a little harder, a little different. And I think it's because of the man. Because of who he was. What he represented. The family that he leaves behind his mother and his brothers and sisters, also his boys and his beloved wife, Catherine. I got to spend time with Catherine and the boys and McLeod at their home. I got to be at their wedding. We were in each other's first weddings and we got each other through our, our divorces. And he was so happy. He was so ready to settle down. We talked about it the week that I, I was introduced to Catherine and then a month later he called and told me that they were getting married and one thing that she expressed to me I think early on maybe even the second day after he had died when we spoke on the phone was that she wanted her boys to know her father through some of the people that considered him to be brothers and I want to tell you boys that's exactly what we're going to do We'll be available and we'll be around and we'll make sure that we drop in from time to time, even though you're an ocean away. Um, that's not anywhere near too far to travel to honor the memory of, of McLeod, of your dad. And he was an incredible guy. And so people ask, why? Why him? Why now? Why not me? Why that way? Why, when there's young kids involved and a wife who's now got to raise those kids by herself? Well, 
I don't have the answers. But I think that rather than search for answers, what we can do is we can become the answer. By living up to the example that McLeod set for us, by looking at those six attributes that he demonstrated and applying them to our lives and our situations, the interactions that we have with others, what we're doing at the workplace, in the community, how we're involved and how we approach other people. If we will emulate this high bar standard that Chris McLeod left behind, I think we can become the reason that redeems this tragic situation. And McLeod would be the first one to say, don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> Again, he was that kind of guy. In fact, the reason that I'm not there with you today is because my daughter is, is graduating this weekend from Northwest University. And that was not a decision I wanted to make. But I knew the exact words that McLeod would use if I presented him with the dilemma. Samadurov, what are you talking about? You're not going to miss your daughter's graduation for my funeral. And that's what he would have said. And so I'm here via video, but with you in spirit. The mantle is there. It is not an easy one to pick up and put on the mantle that McLeod left behind, but it's there for each of us. And so I hope you will join me in honoring the man's life, demonstrating to his boys what that life meant by picking that up and seeking to live a life that reflects the integrity, the courage, the compassion, and the love that exemplified the life of Chris McLeod. So those of you that knew Sam Maduro, he liked to bend the rules. It wasn't supposed to be that long. Um, and that's kind of hard to follow. But uh, I think now we're going to hear from my uh, cousin Jim, and uh, then we'll keep moving here. That is a real tough act to follow, but we'll do our best. Well, my name is Jim Holden. I am uh, Chris's cousin. My dad, Jack, um, was my Aunt Marty's older brother. And I'm the oldest of uh, our generation. So, But uh, since getting married, I'm better known as the lucky guy that married Angela. Or to uh, Jonathan and Matthew, I'm better known as uh, Joey's dad. So... Um, I'm honored to speak here today, but I was afraid Brent would ask me to do this, not because I didn't want to honor my cousin Chris, but because this is unbelievably hard. None of us want to be here. None of us should be here. This, is, this should not have happened. This is a hard one for us to, to process. It's going to take me a very long time to really think this one through. When I started to write this, I thought of all the memories uh, that I had with the McLeod family. 
The McLeods have been very special to me over the years. And there are a lot of memories, but I, I'm going to stay to the three to five minute rule because there's cat stories and there's how I got to sleep when I was a baby with my Aunt Marty that I'm going to spare you on. <laughs> but I was thrilled when Aunt Marty and Uncle Don had their first baby, Brent. Um, and then Uncle Don built this beautiful home up in Selma, Oregon. And then had my, had, had my cousins, Barbara and Gretchen. Um, and we got a, to take our first trip up to their farm in Selma. We had a great time up there. And then shortly after that, um, Cousin Chris and Cousin Trent were born. And there was a full house. And if you see them, you know, you see that there's five kids all within a very short period of time. It was like, wait, Aunt Marty's pregnant again? And it happened very quickly. But as we grew up, the McLeod family would come down for our high school graduations for my brother and myself, and we'd go up for their graduations. And I was, look, I was looking through the pictures with my wife, Angela, and it was fun to see Chris and Gretchen hamming it up through those pictures. They would jump in front of the cameras, and we, it, was, it was a lot of fun to go back through the times and, and see all those pictures. And over, over 30 years ago, we traveled up to Portland for our grandmother's birthday. And I brought my girlfriend at the time up there to meet the McLeods. And Chris was probably, I think, 12 or so at that time. And um, Angela was introduced to an all-cousins softball game. And at the time, Chris and Trent were running circles around all of us. Um, and, and the things that... that Angela mentioned to me that she remembers the most about that is there were a lot of McLeods and, and they were all so welcoming and so loving, um, every single one of them. Um, not long after that, Angela and I got married and started having a family of our own. Um, when our oldest was born, we took her to Portland to meet the family every trip Every milestone, our extended family bonded uh, and came closer and stronger um, with, the, with the McLeod family. Um, Chris, while quite a bit younger than I am, um, really got, we, we got a special relationship together. We'd talk a lot about um, job, relationships, and family. And, and Cousin Chris had just an amazing impact on, on my kids' lives. And you look at, you know, I have three children, and, and Chris um, touched every single one of them in a positive way. Lauren, my oldest, ended up going to the University of Oregon, um, and which is Chris's favorite uh, college sports team. I, you know, it, when you look at it, I mean, you see Jonathan and Matthew running around with Ducks hats on right now. Joey, my son, loves to golf and is going to graduate in May of next year with his accounting degree. And then my daughter, Julia, is a true family person with a heart of gold and, and an infectious smile, just like that one. After Chris 
first moved to Hawaii, and just before meeting Catherine, he came and spent a few weeks with us in California. If you know Chris, uh, you know he loves kids. No matter how annoying or how in-your-face my kids were with him, Cousin Chris, let's go play baseball. Cousin Chris, let's go watch a movie. They were jumping all over him, and, and they really, you know, Chris I, I was so patient with him because I was just like, Chris, just, you know, let him, let him be. And he's like, nope, nope, I want to have fun with him. And Chris just would spend all the time in the world with my kids, and he loved it and would just take hours with the kids. And to this day, they remember that time so fondly. And he would come down for the summers, and Catherine, you and I talked about it, for the 4th of July celebration over at my dad and Uncle Tom's house. And, and he, he looked, they looked forward to every time he would come down and spend time with them. So, um, you know, over the years, we traveled to Hawaii for vacations. It didn't matter where we were on the island. Chris and Catherine would come find us, you know, dropping everything they were doing, come finding, spending time with us. Um, the last two times, it was great to see Jonathan and Matthew as well. We had so much fun. Um, and it was great to see Chris as a dad, to know he was where he should be, living the dr life he dreamed about. Last July, we had a chance to golf together with my son and my daughter's boyfriend. We had so much fun. Chris was so happy with his life, with Catherine. You know, watching his boys grow up, excel at school, play sports, that infectious smile and laugh was in full effect that day. It was a day I'll never forget. Um, both of our families together laughing, smiling, and having such a great time. The last few weeks have passed, and I've seen pictures and read more stories about a, what, what an amazing person Chris is. I'm not going to say was, because I just can't. More importantly, his legacy continues. He will always be present for me. My sister-in-law shared a story with me the other day that when her family traveled to Oahu many years ago, Chris flew over from Maui just to see them, bringing a birthday present for my niece whose birthday they were celebrating that day. That's who Chris is. And how Chris is always thinking of others. He's a giving, kind soul who puts others first. Finally, I'm here to help. I'm here to help the family carry on Chris's legacy. I'm here for you, Catherine. I'm here for the boys. I'm here for my aunt. I'm here for my uncles. I'm here for my cousins. We'll remain a close family as we always have been. We will continue to live a, w a way that will make Chris proud. We love you, Chris. Until we meet again, and I love this phrase, rest in love.
All right, so I left my phone in the car. I don't know the, how this is supposed to go, but I think we're going to have another video now. Aloha, McLeod, Ohana, and friends. Chris was a light for Jesus and a friend to me. He let his light shine before others so that they may see his good works and glorify his Father in heaven. Chris was faithful and fun. My name is Rondalyn Franz, and I had the joy of serving here on the beach at Kumalani Chapel with Chris for many years. He was, a hand, he was one of a handful of men who served in our children's ministry. Let me show you where he served. Chris volunteered in this room with two and three-year-olds um, while Jonathan and Matthew were this age and continued after the boys moved on. He taught and modeled to his sons and the kids here the importance of having a personal relationship with Jesus. Chris was kind, patient, gentle, and had lots of fun too. I love watching him read Bible stories and hearing the laughter of him playing with the keiki. Chris loved his family. He was an encouraging, loving, and wise husband to Catherine and father to his boys. They are an amazing family who worshiped together, played together, and served together. I remember many morning conversations with Chris when he dropped off Jonathan and Matthew at the preschool at Kapalua. I heard about sweet talks of their experiences and adventures and songs they sang together like John 3.16 while to and from their hour commute to school and work. Chris has a future in heaven. As 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, Today we have sorrow, even Jesus wept, but not as those who have no hope. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This gives me peace and comfort. God is also faithful and is still who he says he is. There will always be things we don't understand, but we serve a good God who doesn't want us to waste a second, but to keep following after him every day. Chris will be dearly missed, but he left us a legacy to follow. He did the right things for the right reasons, that will have a ripple effect into eternity and for generations to come. Chris showed us how to know Jesus, walk with Jesus, and be like Jesus. And I pray each one of us will encourage one another to do the same. Aloha, I love you guys. And as all of you know, Chris loved football. We spent many fall Sundays and a couple of Super Bowls together cheering on our Seahawks. I'm sure he still will be cheering them on in heaven. Go Hawks! All right, I think we got another video. Yeah, so they're going to keep doing those. Hi, my name's George, and uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to share some uh, memories and just some stories that uh, I had with Chris over the last few years. So. I had the privilege of meeting Chris when I transferred to George Fox College, where we both participated in track and cross country. We instantly formed a friendship, and Chris became like a brother to me. 
After college, we lived close by and continued training and racing together. Chris was gifted and his determination to push and push, and it made for some extremely challenging yet rewarding workouts together. Uh, one of our first post-college races was a triathlon in my small hometown. We both, uh, we both started the race together. We completed the swim, the bike, and the run. I remember crossing the finish line and Chris was nowhere to be seen. I waited and waited. <clears throat> Finally, about three minutes later, Chris finished, finished the race and he stumbled over to me and tells me that a police officer had pulled him over for running an intersection on his bike during the race. Uh, we went back and forth and tried to resolve this issue, but we just kind of left it how it was and that's, that's how it ended. Um, with this small race mishap over the next year or two, I made sure to remind Chris that I owned him in our only triathlon we competed in together. And uh, after that, I paid for it deeply in our future workouts and don't remember being Chris again. This was the type of relationship we had. It was competitive. Uh, we supported each other, had lots of laughter. Uh, we'd have an occasional nine iron 30 feet up in a tree after a bad golf shot. Again, we had lots of laughter. Uh, this story ended up finishing our round of golf and we had to circle back and try to find his club in the tree. And we ended up using my nine iron over and over until his club finally fell out and got it back. Uh, Chris and I were able to share some amazing adventures over the years. Uh, we traveled and uh, was, did mountain bike trips to Moab. We did mountain climbing. We did trips to Mexico and we ended up moving to Oahu. We had the type of friendship that no matter how long time would pass, we always started right back where we left off. Chris's contagious laugh, big smile, his competitive nature <clears throat> and his drive in life made him one in a million. He was an amazing husband, father, and an unbelievable friend. <clears throat> Chris will be missed greatly by myself and so many that he impacted the lives of. Thank you for all the memories. Hi, my name is Shirley, and uh, I'm a longtime friend of Chris. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him over my 25-year tenure in the organization of Marriott. And when I think of Chris, the first thought that comes to mind is that a real angel on earth. And I don't even hesitate twice to think about it, to say it, everything he did is and was uh, done with such a big, big heart. And my, um, I have many fond memories, but the one that stands out for me the most that really represents him being that angel on earth is that back in 2007, I'll never forget, I was on a business trip to Puerto Rico and um, I had received the news that my mother was transitioning on her way um, to leave this earth and um, join our angels in heaven. And I remember running to the airport that day and I remember not having a flight to take. I will never forget that sitting in that airport on that day when I felt my world was crumbling, I looked over to the side and there was Chris in Puerto Rico, <laughs> of all places, very far from Hawaii. I had no idea why he was there or how he got there. 
uh, all that I knew is that I couldn't believe he was there. And I was just so grateful. And I remember thinking so many years after that, how could he have been there so far away, you know, from the islands of Hawaii and there he was for me. Um, shortly after my mom had passed away and, uh, you know, in the airport, like I said, he was just there during one of the hardest times when nobody else could be there for me and God put him there for me. And shortly after we lost her and there was Chris again. Chris journeyed to Florida um, to be by my family's side. Uh, he brought groceries, he brought flowers, and I will never forget him just being with our family during this time. And there was a lot of family around and he was, he felt and fell right into place with us. There's more to the story because as we all know, Chris just didn't come to this earth, you know, without making the major impact that he did. And many years later, um, I went home recently to Florida. I live in California now and I told my dad of Chris's passing. And in doing so, he reminded me that, and I totally forgot this, that Chris had given my dad all of his frequent flyer mileage so that he could join me in Hawaii and my dad could be there with me to spread my mom's ashes in the uh, Koalina lagoons. And I didn't know that. I really had no idea until Chris's passing that he gave that gift to my dad. And I'm just super grateful, super grateful to have known him. Uh, super grateful to have called him friend but more importantly, family. And I am so grateful that I get to have Kat and the boys as a part of my family as well. So we're gonna miss him so much, but his impact, his, um, his big heart uh, was a great example for all of us. And as my dad reminded me, his gestures and kind gestures are gonna be an example for all of us for years to come. We'll miss you, Chris, until we see you again. We love you. To Catherine, Devin, Nico, Jonathan, Matthew, Don and Marty, Frank, Gretchen, Barb, and Trent, and the entire McLeod family, relatives and friends, I want to first just say how extremely blessed and honored I am to be able to share just a few minutes with all of you and that I'm sincerely sorry for not being able to attend in person. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Doug Kirkgreen and Chris was a very dear friend of mine. In fact, the entire McLeod family has a very special place in my heart from the very first time I met Don and Marty almost 27 years ago. It goes without saying that Chris was a very special man and touched the lives of so many people. His life was a true testament of his spirit, kindness, and selflessness. Chris touched us all in such a close and personal way, and I'm so very thankful that he was a part of my life. Catherine, I really can't imagine how difficult this must be for you and your boys, 
but I am truly amazed at your steadfastness and resiliency and love for Christ through all this pain. I feel extremely broken, but also at the same time, I feel extremely blessed to have known Chris and to know he is in glory with our Lord and Jesus Christ brings me real peace. I know without a doubt that our God is sovereign. He's holy, loving, and just. And knowing Chris is in glory now for eternity brings me great comfort. I have several great memories of Chris, and um, but one distinct memory always comes to my mind when I think about Chris. See, Chris is about eight years younger than me, so when I met him, I was already married with children, and I don't think Chris had even met Catherine yet. I remember when we would get together, Chris always seemed a bit bewildered because I already had five children under the age of 30. See, I was married um, at 24, and I married my soulmate, Judy, who had two awesome boys from a previous marriage, and then we went on to have three of our own. I told Chris that when you find true love, you will know it and you know, and, and who knows, uh, you might just pull a Doug someday. That's the joke that I would always say to him um, on runs or whatever. Well, it, that's exactly what happened a few years later when he found his soulmate in Catherine, who also had two boys, and it changed his life forever in such an amazing and profound way that only God could have orchestrated. We used to chuckle about how our paths kind of ended up so similar, but we wouldn't have changed a thing. And um, so I used to always kid him, see, you did pull a Doug. So um, that's always a great memory of mine about Chris. I guess I, I just want to say, I know it's difficult to understand the why behind all of this right now. But in times like this, I really focus on what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. I have no doubt that Chris would have wanted Christ preached today because he is our only hope in a fallen and a corrupt world. Now is the perfect time for all of us to reflect on our own lives. And finally, if you haven't already, put Jesus Christ first in your life. I love the McLeod family so much. And I know Chris will be missed every day and he'll never be forgotten. May God bless you all during this time and bring you his peace. I love you guys. Aloha family. This is Jared. And Susie. And Elizabeth. Uh, we are the Bortzes. Um, we were incredibly blessed to have known Chris and, and just the excitement that he had in his life. And um, we know that this time we were never intended to go through this type of sorrow. Our Heavenly Father, who we're really stoked Chris is with right now, and we do rejoice in that truth. Um, but we know by his design, we were never intended for this. And I know for you, Miss Catherine, that it is a pain that we do. We pray that God gives you the strength and the comfort in those moments of overwhelmed sorrow. And for you boys, Davin and Nico, and Jonathan and Matthew, we are so, so blessed to have spent time with you guys and gotten to see you grow up. And for Davin and Nico, we just wanna say thank you. You welcomed us into your family through the skate park and each week allowed us to come down and spend time with you. And, and then that first Thanksgiving when we got to meet you, Catherine, and the two boys, and uh, 
just such a blessing to have been a part of your lives. Yeah. And we know that for you young men, Davin, Nico, and Jonathan, and Matthew, your dad came every week to Bible study at Thursday morning, and he dug into the Word of God and got to know his heavenly Father so that he could be an earthly Father to you. And that is my prayer, is that in his time, having gone to be with our Heavenly Father, I pray that you young men would dig into God's Word just as your dad did. And that that would go on to shape your lives as young men. And that you would be a blessing to that community. Through this loss, we know that God's intent is for others to come to know Him. And that would be your daddy's wishes is that you would go on to be a little Jesus freaks, just spreading the gospel for God's glory. We love you guys so much. We do. And we miss you. And we will continue to be praying for you guys throughout this time. Um, I just end in prayer. Lord, thank you for our family. We pray and ask God that the body of Christ on Maui would surround Catherine and the boys. And God, that through this loss, you, Jesus, you bought, you paid the price. And we know that Chris is with you, rejoicing, and we do. We are anxious for the day that we'll all be together again in your presence, Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Lord, right now, comfort, comfort, comfort our family there. We love you. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. My name is Dan Guthrie. God bless you, Catherine, and everyone else in the McLeod family, and all of you there. Most of my time and members of Chris come from our teenage years in Beaverton. We first became friends in our youth group at Beaverton Fourscore Church and enjoyed each other's company at camps, retreats, and youth group nights. I was friends with his family, sisters, brothers, and parents. I spent a lot of time at the McLeod house in those days. The family was a very supportive and meaningful part of my development in those teen years. I had plenty of meals over there. We spent warm nights jumping on the trampoline with his siblings and other youth group friends, playing basketball, just messing around. Chris and I used to leave our Sunset High School campus during lunch and walk over to his house just blocks away. Many days we would cook up some top ramen and play Nintendo Double Dragon and joke around. That's all we needed, and it was awesome. His smiles and laughs, positive influence, hopefulness, how he lived out his Christian faith. I am grateful. Thank you, Chris, for being my friend. Thank you for impacting my life. Hi, my name is John, and this is my wife, Dawn uh, Smith, and we are teammates with Chris uh, from George Fox College, and um, couldn't make it today, but we want to definitely send in a video with some of our thoughts on Chris and his life. Chris was a year behind us in college, and um, we just were always close with him even um, after college and kept in touch and just we think the world of Chris I have just always loved Chris's laugh and joy and his love for the Lord he's so generous and kind and we just 
are so thankful for his walk with the Lord and the time that we had with him and the memories and time on the cross country and track team that we had with Chris. He worked so hard and he was just such a encouragement to his teammates. And again, he just brought so much joy to our team and to everybody's life. And um, we just know that he is in the arms of our savior and we just have great comfort and knowing that he is with the Lord. Yeah, and I'm currently the track and field coach at George Fox, and um, our teams have always been the same as far as kind of built on a family type idea. And we just got done with our conference championship meet, and we won our fifth straight conference championship. And at the end of the meet, I just gathered the team, and, you know, we talked about you know, just the, the fun that we had, but um, I actually told the story of uh, Chris's passing and just as a reminder to everybody that um, this life we have is really short um, and just being a, a good teammate, Chris, Chris represented everything that like I want George Fox track and field to be about. Um, like Don mentioned, it's just like always that smile and laughter that you remember um, just everywhere that he was and, um, yeah, just a, a very sincere person. And I think that was like the thing that stood out the most. He was very genuine, sincere, and just a great teammate. Uh, and just a reminder to my current athletes that like that's how we want to live our life and, and live every every bit of that for the Lord. Uh, because we our, our days are numbered and we don't know when that's going to come to an end. It's like as crazy as the whole incident with Chris was it's like the Lord was not surprised by that and his plan is perfect even though we grieve here on earth um, we know that this can be used for a higher purpose and so uh, thankful that our friend and brother in the Lord um, is with Jesus now and uh, just an encouragement to us is how he lived his life and just a reminder um, that we want to continue to do that and to, to love others and um, Chris would definitely want to want people to know about the gospel message and just the fact that Jesus paid the price and it's a free gift. There's nothing required, just that faith in Christ. And so um, just ending with a verse uh, from Philippians 3 and just Philippians uh, 3.14 and just, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, and yeah, Chris ran that race well and uh, we're thankful to have been a part of his life and we just continue to lift up those in his family, uh, friends in prayer uh, in this time. So I think that concludes all the videos that we have. And I think my sister Barb would like to read something that she wrote. Two and four. Two and four. I am the second, and you are the fourth. I always thought of us like that. You were the fourth of us five, and we are the even ones. From the time you were born, I remember at least the stories and the pictures help me remember you. Your life started being born at home and photographed for other women to learn about giving birth at home. 
You were the only one who sucked your thumb and fell asleep on the toilet, so tired from first grade at summer school. Then we moved to Portland, the grape soda in your room. For how many months, the stinky room downstairs at Terlinda, running. Just how many extra miles did you do running back to check on me? There was youth group and the Hyundai blur, and, and dare I forget, broken windows, falling off the quad with you, and roof jumping. College, and you finished in less than four years. Then your life turned upside down, and you moved to Hawaii. I remember you telling me, you and George. Then me and Edwin visited you, and you learned you would be an uncle. And I lost my place. You were so happy. Then you moved back, and a woman had entered your life. Life was never the same, in a good way. We women have that effect on the men in our lives. Maybe that's why you were blessed with four sons, nieces and nephews, but no daughters. Now it is my turn to have my life turned upside down. You have left with no plans for return visit. This completes your round trip. No more birthday texts about aging. The truth is, I will continue to age, and you will remain young, and somehow that feels a bit unfair as I hear you snicker. I miss you and always will. It is now the next phase of your journey. We will care for your family, your wife, and your boys. We will hear you whisper in the wind and laugh at our family dinners and curse when we miss your financial insight. You graced us with 46 years. I just wish it were a few more. I wish there was another next time as we text in December. But the, those are past, and my heart is breaking. We are past negotiations now, Chris. So I will see you on the other side with maple sugar and a run in Washington Park. Or better yet, walk so we can be together. Invite the family and friends. I love you. Okay, so I think that's going to conclude this part of tonight. Um, I want to thank you all for coming. Thank you for your uh, graciousness and generosity and um, support and prayers. It's been a very, very much of a blessing. Um, there is food outside if you were unaware of that. Um, and then I'm supposed to make you aware of tomorrow. So we're going to do the same thing for a family time from 9 to 10. And then at 10, we'll open it up for uh, everyone else. And then the service will start at 1030. And then there will be a lunch following that. So I'm going to close this time in prayer. And then we can fellowship and eat and whatever else. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that um, we get to not only honor Chris, but honor you in how um, you have impacted us through his life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we uh, thank you for the food and those that prepared it and those that brought it.
May you bless our fellowship and our time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can head out there and eat.
I had only known the last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I had to do I would have stayed a little longer Held on a little tighter Now what I'd give for one more day with you There's a wound here in my heart where something's missing And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time But I know you're in a place where all your wounds have been erased And knowing yours are healed is healing mine The only scars in heaven There won't be to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven Or on the hands that hold you now I know the road you walked was anything but easy You picked up your share of scars along the way Oh, but now you're standing in the sun You fought your fight and your race is run The pain is all a million miles away the only scars in heaven that won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken. And all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, even as the tears fall down. The only scars in heaven yeah, are on the hands that hold you now. That I don't see you You live on in all of the better parts of me Until I'm standing with you in the sun I'll fight this fight and this race I'll run Until I finally see what you can see Oh, the only scars in heaven There won't be There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now And even as the tears fall down 
are the only scars in heaven Or on the hands that hold you now
Oh
At night, every sunset sky. For it all, oh God, I say I love you. For the world you made, every brand new day. For it all, oh God, I say I love you. For the cross you bore.
oceans deep, my faith will stand.
You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope and you restore every heart that is broken. Sing it to him. Great are you, Lord, because it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. All the earth 
praise to you only. We pour out our praise to you only.
I'd climb every mountain and swim every ocean just to be with you and fix what I've broken. Cause I need you to
Yeah. 